Happy National Championship Monday, everybody. For the first time in NCAA tournament history, we have a four seed and a five seed facing off for all the marbles. Which matchups are going to impact the outcome of this game the most? Let's discuss. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five times per week national college hoop show part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He is Isaac Shade. We're going to talk about the legacies of each of these teams now that they have made the national championship, what this means for them going forward, regardless of whether they win or lose. We're, of course, going to give you our picks for who we think is going to win. We're going to talk about the matchups in this game, all sorts of fantastic stuff. Of course, a reminder for anybody who needs it, UConn, Danny Hurley's Huskies, taking on Brian Dutcher and the Aztecs of San Diego State. The game is slated to start at 9.20 Eastern p.m. It is a late one. Get your coffee if you haven't already had it. Game is going to be on CBS right now as we are recording. The line for this game for our friends at FanDuel is 7.5 for the Huskies. That's steep, Andy. That's steep. It would also be far, far and away the closest game that UConn has played (laughs) in the NCAA tournament. It's kind of hard to ignore that fact. Uh, Like we said in the opening, This is the first time we've ever seen a four-seed versus a five-seed in the NCAA tournament. In fact, we've only had one winner out of either of those seeds ever. Arizona, the Wildcats, 1997. I believe that was Mike Bibby's team, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was a four-seed that won it all. No five-seed has ever won it all. This is going to set a record. It is a precedent. Uh, We've talked a lot about how many kind of records and how much this, this NCAA tournament has kind of been transformative in a lot of ways. And here we are once again looking at likely potentially at least a record or a second time ever seeing a four seed win a championship isaac i want to start talking about the matchups here in this game yeah. We've yeah. a lot about both of these teams how they have gotten here what uconn has done what the trajectory that san diego state has taken of course the massive uh, very very incredible win uh, by lamont butler at the very end of that florida atlantic game but <laughs> i want to just start kind of talking about where where you think that there are maybe some advantages some disadvantages and kind of what what might dictate how this game goes on Monday evening? Well, the first thing, Andy, that we have to look at, and yes, happy championship Monday, by the way. Yes. Thank you very much, as you said. <clears throat> it's it's the same thing we looked at with uh, UConn versus Miami and UConn versus everyone, <laughs> is can anyone match mm-hmm. up in the front court? And so mm-hmm. basically we're looking at Mensa versus Sonogo, right? Mensa for San Diego State. Mm-hmm versus for UConn. But Andy, here is the problem as I see it for the Aztecs, at least in this matchup. There's another one we'll talk about in a minute mm-hmm. where uh, where San Diego State has the edge. Fear not, Aztec fans, we're here for you. <laughs> the problem is that it's not just Mensa versus Sonogo. It's mm-hmm. Mensa and Arop versus mm-hmm. Sonogo and Donovan Klingon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is not just advantage Huskies to me. Mm-hmm. To me, that is like massive advantage huskies it kind of feels i've not really thought about it until earlier on sunday i was thinking about i was like who who does this kind of front court tandem remind Mm -hmm. me of at least this much depth and talent and it's last year's purdue front court where Mm -hmm. it was both zach Eady and travion williams and it's like Mm -hmm. dude either of these guys would start in any front court in the nation and here they are together Mm -hmm. we we didn't see this early in the season or i don't think we at least suspected it earlier in the season Mm -hmm. but Man, Donovan Klingon is an absolute dude, 7'2". Yeah. And what, what's so difficult about this front court, 
and and Menson Arap are strong, solid college basketball players. Mm-hmm. But I just think both Sonogo and Klingon are in this other thing that the, the issue is that Sonogo and Klingon are different types of players who UConn runs different types of sets and, mm-hmm. and plays for. And that's really hard to scheme against defensively on a normal prep, mm-hmm. much less on a 48 hour prep. That's yeah. such a quick turnaround. I mean, you, you just think about San Diego state and, and every, all the emotion they've been through since Saturday night and deservedly. So mm-hmm. you got to get yourself focused so quickly and back in on this thing. And like, I hope they're able to going to be a really interesting matchup in the front court. Andy, what about you and any other specific matchups you're watching that might uh, swing this game one way or the other? Yeah. I, I mean, I think for starters regarding the front court, I mean, look what, look what they did to Norchad O'Meara. Like they, they shut him down, slowed him down. He was dominating throughout this tournament. They slowed down drew Timmy and the Zags. Like they have, this front court has dominated every game that they have played, but you know, Mensa and Arap have played a really, really good tournament. So that's going to be a, a fascinating matchup. I think, the other element of this that's going to be that's going to have a, a huge impact on this game, and it was kind of the same conversation we had with San Diego State in their last game. Hmm. How does their three point defense match up against a team that shoots really well from beyond the arc? And against Florida Atlantic, San Diego State's first half defense. I mean, Florida Atlantic hit a lot of threes and had a lot of open looks in the first half. They clamped down in a significant way in the second half, and Florida Atlantic started turning the ball over a little bit more, missing some shots and. Of course, no. I mean, not to take away from what San Diego State did. They they really played fantastic defense, hit cl- hit clutch shots, and one of the most clutch ones we have ever seen from <laughs> Butler there. But I don't think San Diego State can can have not a, definitely not a whole half where they lapse defensively around the perimeter. They may not even be able to get like a ten minute stretch. That's or a great point. Like if you let UConn get open looks, they're going to bury you. And the way that this team has played this this tournament, I mean, they've so many good sets that they've they've run so many good blob plays, so many good sets to get wide open looks. I think we talked about this on the last show. They've hit a, a buzzer beater at the end of the first half in three of their four NCAA tournament games. Like Danny Hurley can draw up plays to get open looks for his guys. And if San Diego State, who is fantastic at defending the three-point line, better than every team in the country except, I think, Tennessee this year. Actually, Andy, I've got bad news. Hmm. They dropped to third. Dropped to third. <laughs> terrible. San Diego State's <laughs> – I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that that's going to be – because UConn, UConn's strength is obviously in the front court, and you touched on that beautifully talking about Sonogo and Klingon and, and what that's going to do. But UConn is going to need that outside shot. They're going to need to be able to stretch the defense a little bit. And if San Diego State can fully clamp them out there, you know, make Jordan Hawkins and Tristan Newton and Alex Caravan and, and Joey Calcaterra, if those guys aren't getting good looks – that that is a huge advantage for San Diego State. So that's going to be something that I'm going to be watching really closely in this game. Uh, yeah, Houston has just well, I guess Houston hasn't done anything. So uh, <laughs> San Diego State has fallen just slightly yeah. behind uh, Houston. But no, uh, man, that that three point defense is elite. But here's the thing: don't let's mm-hmm. not forget UConn's three point defense itself is yeah. 15th in the nation. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it could really come down to which team can do like what LSU did in the women's championship yeah. game on. Sunday unexpectedly. Well, Andy, Mm -hmm. before we continue along, you know, we've talked so much about kind of this season in three parts for UConn. Mm -hmm. And obviously the the two bookends where they've been so dominant are instructive. But a lot of times what can be even more instructive is looking at what went wrong when Mm -hmm. things were going wrong. And so that that stretch where UConn was two and six in the middle of the season, heading uh, kind of wrapping up in late January there. Um, 
I think it's important for us to ask, like, mm-hmm. what went wrong? And is there a chance of repeating? Because if it's the NBA and we're, and we're in a four of seven series, mm-hmm. it, it probably, that can't happen. Right. But in a one-off, all bets are off. So Andy, yeah. let, let's just quickly discuss what mm-hmm. went wrong in that eight-game stretch. I think a part of it, we, we kind of touched on this already, but I do think part of it is is the familiarity that these are all Big East teams. It's, it's impossible, in my mind, to not connect the dots there, that, that they struggled against Big East teams. They did not lose to anybody outside of the Big East. So I think familiarity plays a role. I think also just the Big East is very, very good, and that plays a role. But the biggest, the, the thing that jumps off the page the most when looking at this this kind of bad eight game stretch for UConn was their defense. They gave up 80 points, 80 plus points in four of those six losses. Wow. Do you know how many other games in the entire season that they gave up 80 plus points? I'm going to guess not many. (laughs) One, one other time. And it was a 95, 86 win over St. John's. That is it. This defense, I mean, they, they gave up 54 points to Gonzaga. They gave up a similar amount of points to Miami. I don't remember the exact total, but two of the top 10 offenses in the country. And they just, completely shut them down but there have been times this year specifically in this stretch of basketball where their defense was not nearly at that level it's hard for me to imagine that they will suddenly stop playing good defense but maybe san diego state can watch the film there find some tape find some things that maybe they can exploit some advantages Uh, again i think part of the reason that this was so successful for those teams and has been a challenge for everybody else is because uconn's really hard to game plan against teams that are really hard to game plan against are going to be successful in this type of situation where you only have one or two days to potentially plan for them. That I think is going to make this uh, tough for San Diego state because they, they're not, they don't have as much time. Having said that Dutcher, fantastic coach. I'm sure they've poured over every single element of this and they've figured out the best possible ways to, to exploit a matchup here. And part of it, I mean, you know, you think about can UConn's backcourt continue to play mm-hmm. at that level they've played. Yeah. Part of it for San Diego state is they're at a height disadvantage where yeah. Tristan Newton and Jordan Hawkins are both six, five, um, like, uh, what Andre Jackson, six, six, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we'll see where his health is at and stuff. Sure. But, um, I mean, UConn definitely has that advantage in the backcourt and it's like, can all that continue, especially mm-hmm. as Hawkins and Newton have both been playing so far in the tournament. And speaking of all that, Andy, UConn may be this seven and a half point favorite. Sure. But San Diego state, laughs in the face of a, of a difficult line. They've played the the upset card many mm-hmm. times already in this tournament, and they will be more than happy to do so once again. What exactly is that recipe for them to do so? I don't know, but that just made me super hungry for <laughs> talking about our next sponsor, Built Bar. The Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites like the one that i love to vote for and i know my man andy does too the (laughs) churro bar and so you can go vote support your team support support your favorite bar or puff and when you do so you'll be entered in a drawing where 50 different lucky locked on listeners will win a free box of built and one locked on listener will win a 12 month subscription to built to have built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly directly to their door you gotta try this it's so good and why well for starters they're high in protein low in sugar and oh boy covered in 100 real chocolate so run to builtmarchmanis.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and you know go ahead and pick up a box while you're there so hop in right now and support your pick built bar a proud sponsor of the locked on network 
Andy, I, I, I've said this a couple times in the last couple days. I think I even tweeted it out after Saturday night's semifinal. UConn just kind of feels inevitable at this point. They've won every game in this tournament by at least 13 points. Yeah. What, what, you know what? Way to go, Miami. Hold yeah. that margin close. Um, yeah. But this tournament is wild. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean 2023, but goodness gracious, the NCAA tournament in its entirety is always wild. Yes. And any single thing can happen. And just when you think it's something is inevitable, like, uh, you know, a previous UConn team that won a national championship when it kind of felt like Kentucky was inevitable right. in that seven and eight to get like all bets are off all the time. So, Andy, here's my question to you. If we wake up on Tuesday morning. And the headlines say some form of San Diego State Aztecs are your 2023 men's national champion. Why is that the storyline we're reading? What happened to make it true? San Diego State's guards prevented UConn's guards from getting good looks from beyond the area. And UConn's guards struggled to make an impact in the game outside of that. UConn's guards are is the biggest question mark. And it's we're talking about a, a championship favorite for a reason. And so like UConn's guards are not bad because they're in the championship, but it is their weakest point, primarily because Adama Sonogo and Donovan Klingon are really, 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 really good in the front court. Jordan Hawkins has played fantastic at times this tournament. Tristan Newton has played at fantastic at times this tournament. Both of them have had fantastic regular seasons as well, but there is inconsistency there. We have seen them have bad games we were looking through some of those losses that UConn had earlier this season. Jordan Hawkins had a game. He had 31 points in the loss to St. John's, but he also had seven turnovers in a game where UConn turned the ball over 21 times. Mm. Now cherry picking one game in January and saying, this is why (laughs) UConn's going to lose in March or in April is a little silly, but like it, we have seen UConn's guards have bad nights, right? It is absolutely within the realm of possibility. And they're facing a very, very good defensive team and a defensive team that is good on the perimeter. That is where San Diego state's strength is. We talked about it. They limit teams from shooting well from beyond the arc. They didn't do a great job of that against Florida Atlantic. I have a suspicion that Danny Hurley has watched the heck out of that uh, tape to figure out how did Florida Atlantic get these good looks? What can we do to get some of those opportunities for our guys as well? But I think if we are talking about a San Diego state victory, if that is what happens on Monday night, it will be because their perimeter defense prevented UConn's guard from getting good looks. I don't think that San Diego state is going to just shut down Adama Sonogo. Sure. I don't think anybody is going to do that. Nobody, people have tried. And he had, he he only shot three of 11 against Gonzaga, which is a little bit surprising because Gonzaga's rim protection was far from a strength of theirs, but Sonogo just kind of adopted more of a facilitator role and it worked. I mean, you saw the final score. It worked totally fine for what UConn wanted to do in that game. But I, I don't envision a situation where San Diego state puts the clamps on Sonogo and Klingon in a significant way, but they could absolutely do it to their guards. And if they shoot well, and that's going to be a big factor as well, San Diego state, great defensive team, not a great offensive team. They're going to need to shoot the lights out. Matt Bradley is going to need to have the best game that he has had in this NCAA tournament. And a lot of times this year, and I know you're going to talk about it a little bit later, we have kind of seen one of Bradley or Darion Trammell kind of step up. They're going to need both of them. I don't think it's a one or the other situation. Both those guys are going to need to have really good games. Can they do it? Absolutely. Absolutely possible. It's not going to be easy. Nobody has made it. Nobody has done it against UConn so far. But then again, nobody's beat San Diego State either. No, both these teams are here very much for a reason. And Andy, something to that, like 
at least limiting uh, Sonogo and Klingon side of mm-hmm. things is like oftentimes one of my favorite defensive schemes a team will go with is it's like, it's like, oh man, how are we going to stop this? How are we going to stop that? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you know what? We're going to let Sonogo get his and we're going to clamp yeah. down on literally everyone else. Yeah. And f- like, basically like, all right, Sonogo, go ahead. But nobody else is doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like those are always interesting. Or we're going to completely shut off mm-hmm. Sonogo and just yep. straight up like Virginia style race a double team at him yeah. and force somebody out. Like yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see one or the other of those of either mm-hmm. let Sonogo go or literally cut him off and force Hawkins and Newton and everyone else to do the work. I'd That'd be interested be- to see if, sorry to cut you off there. No, I'd you're great. Go. To see if that would work because that's kind of what Gonzaga tried against Sonogo and his facilitating. I mean, the it's, fact that he can do that makes him so much more dangerous. That's what made Drew Timmy so much more dangerous. That's what made Trace Jackson Davis so much more Davis dangerous. Like when those guys can facilitate that way, it's really, really, really tough. And I'll be interested to see if San Diego state, because one-on-one coverage is probably not going to work, but if they just, uh, if they try to double him and they constantly send a bunch of pressure at him, I think he's skilled enough to get that ball out. But like you said, you don't get an assist unless somebody makes the shot. So somebody else is going to have to score for UConn. I think they're capable of doing it, but maybe that is the best strategy is to just try to clamp uh, Sonogo, get the ball out of his hands, make somebody else beat him because you know, it's, it'd be a bummer to just lose to Sonogo because he's that good. Make somebody else beat you. We'll see if, if that strategy works. Well, Isaac, I want to talk a little bit more too about, one of the elements we, we often see in NCAA tournament championships, kind of the unsung hero. And I think Lamont Butler has already sort of emerged as an unsung <laughs> hero. He's one of, he was one of San Diego State's best players this year, so he's not super unsung, certainly not among Aztecs fans or Mountain West fans, but he's not a name that most people had ever heard until he hit that shot. Let's be honest. That's just the reality of mid-major programs being in the national championship. But once Lamont Butler hit that shot, he kind of became an icon, a college basketball icon, a San Diego State icon. Yeah, There's a chance that somebody else in this game on Monday night, whether it's a UConn player or a San Diego state player will emerge as that kind of player. I want to start with you and and you can pick either team who you think might be a guy who might emerge as kind of an unsung hero, a champion who, who wills this team to victory. Okay. Well, since you started talking San Diego state there, I'll go with this with the the Aztecs first, and then I'll give you my UConn. Uh, This is for those who have been dialed into the Aztecs in the tournament. This is going to, you're going to be like, no, he's not an unsung hero, but it's Darian Trammell for me. And here's why. Again, I know he's had several good games in this tournament, but the first round, he just had five in the final four. He just had five against Florida Atlantic. Um, and, and yes, in between again, 13 versus Furman, 21 versus Alabama, 12 versus Creighton. But Andy, prior to the tournament, Trammell had been very quiet yeah. in San Diego State's last 11 games leading up to the NCAA tournament, he had scored in double figures just three times, mm-hmm. including two, two goose eggs in wow. that 11 game stretch. And so you kind of said it earlier. I think we expect Matt Bradley, who's the leading scorer to get his, although mm-hmm. he, he didn't in the, in the uh, middle rounds of the tournament, yeah. although right back in the final four. So he's got to be there, but Trammell, his traveling buddy's got to be right mm-hmm. there with him to have a big game. So that's my San Diego State unsung hero. As for the Huskies, I'm going with my man, Naheem Aline. A little mm-hmm. bit of a deep cut here, yes, east side, if you will. But <laughs> his his numbers, February through the present, are just like, yeah, wow, that is a completely different season than mm-hmm. November through January, basically. Um, and 
I had the privilege of, you know, I cover a lot of ACC basketball. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see him at Virginia Tech for several yeah. years and was always really impressed with it, with his toughness, his mm-hmm. willingness to do stuff. He was never the star, never the stud, but did a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Um, John Rothstein tweeted out earlier on Sunday, just a point I thought I'd bring up here. Mm-hmm. UConn is 14 and one this season when Aline scores eight or more points and so uh just that could be one of those like hey you're watching to see what his scoring production yeah. is in this game if he can get up to that eight or more point mar uh eight or point more scoring total mm-hmm. then UConn should be in good shape he's averaging 7.4 so far in the tournament Andy what about you who are your potential unsung heroes that make that big shot or that big play on Monday night Minor, minor, similar. Uh, two, two similar players on on each team. For San Diego State, it's Adam Seiko. For UConn, it's Joey Cal- Calcaterra, aka Joey California, as they have been calling him. Apparently, that's what Danny Hurley calls him. Um, <laughs> both these guys are are bench players, and they're both high level shooters. And and I think that that it's easy to see why that could be a recipe, especially in this contest, uh, to to be kind of an unsung hero. Calcaterra is the kind of guy who I think could drop fifteen on five threes off the bench, and he could do it in like a six minute span. Like we've seen him do that before. Uh, you mentioned having seen a lot of Aline because of Virginia Tech. I've seen a lot of Joey Calcaterra uh, because he played in the WCC, played right. at University of San Diego for four years. He is a high-level shooter, high-level scorer, a guy that has really added a tremendous amount to uh, UConn's team this year. And I think there's a very real chance that he has uh, he's the highest scorer off the bench for both teams uh, and could be kind of a guy that, that rises to that level of hero. And for Seiko, it's a lot of the same kind of conversation. 46% shooter from deep. That's just tremendous. Uh, he's had multiple 20-point games this year. He had 25 in a must-win game for or a big game for San Diego State against Utah State in the regular season. He's had a couple 18, 20-point games. Like This is a guy who can light it up and who could easily, on a team – in the Aztecs who don't Matt Bradley is their leading scorer, but they don't have like a huge spread offensively. Any, anybody can kind of light it up for this team. And we've seen multiple different players step up and be their high level guy. Like we talked about with Trammell and like we talked about with Bradley and, and Lamont Butler. And for me, Seiko is absolutely in that conversation. He's led this team in scoring before. And if San Diego state's going to win this game, they are not the favorites right now, as we've talked about, it's going to be somebody stepping up in a significant way. Might be Trammell, might be Bradley, could absolutely see it being Seiko as well. Isaac, I think it's time for predictions. Oh, yeah. We have hidden our predictions long enough, although we have kind of teased how we feel about this game and this matchup. Certainly, it could go a lot of different ways, but we're going to give you who we think is going to win, why we think they're going to win right after this. All right, Isaac. Before we get to our predictions, I know, I know, I know we've been teasing the predictions so much. We are <laughs> going to give you those, but I kind of want to talk about the legacies of these two programs because yeah. we're talking about a UConn team that, you know, has won four championships in the last 23, 24 seasons. Uh, so certainly more success overall from an NCAA tournament perspective than San Diego State, who is, you know, in their first Elite Eight, their first Final Four, obviously their first national championship game as well. So I kind of want to, I want to start with you. You can pick either of these teams and kind of where you feel they are at from a legacy perspective, having just made the championship game and maybe what that might look like if they were to win it all. Well, Andy, I'm so glad we're having this discussion now because I Mm -hmm. love to have this before we know who wins and loses because I don't want to be, I feel like so often a season is tainted by this final result. And Mm -hmm. boy, what, what a legacy building moment for both these programs. So massive congrats to coach Dutcher and his team and Mm -hmm. to coach Hurley and his team as well. And, and I'll go ahead and go with the Yukon Mm -hmm. side of things. Cause I I've just tracked with them so much 
through the years, all the way mm-hmm. back to like the Kalita uh, El Amin team and all, yes. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and here's my thing. I think because UConn is a four seed and because of the eight losses total, I fear that win or lose this game, there will be people that just kind of automatically lump them in with the 2011 or 2014 UConn teams, like mm-hmm. the, the Kemba run, which was that ugly national championship game against Butler, or the 14, the Shabazz Napier game yeah. year. That was the 7-8 and eight, uh, versus Kentucky national championship I talked about. Um, and this team is, for me, much better than either of those teams, with all sorts of due respect to Kemba Walker and that magical run. This is a more complete team to me. Um, and this team is somewhere in between uh, those two teams and what I think mm-hmm. are the two best UConn teams, the 90, the 1999 Rip Hamilton yeah. team and the 0-4 like a Mecca Okafor team. Those teams. 0-4 <laughs> like Okafor. Yes. Oh, man, that's <laughs> so good. Uh, those teams both so yeah. phenomenal that I think mm-hmm. this UConn this team slots right in between those other four championships. What do you think uh, about either that or moving on to the San Diego State side of things for the legacy? I'm with you 100% on UConn, uh, 100%. Everything you said I thought was perfect. And, and talking about San Diego State, this is not a flash in the pan. This is not a one-year wonder thing. No. It's not, you know, it's not George Mason in 06. Certainly it's not VCU. Uh, it's not even Florida Atlantic, who I don't think is going to be a one-year wonder either. I think that they are with Dusty May coming back and everything. I think they're, they're a team that's going to be dangerous going forward. But for San Diego State, they got robbed of that NCAA tournament in 2020. We've talked about that a few times on the show. But for those who are unaware, like San Diego State was going to get a two seed. Uh, and they were they had a real good chance of, of breaking some of the records that they broke this year, making their first Elite Eight, making their first Final Four. They absolutely could have done it on that year's team, and it was unfortunate that they didn't get the opportunity to. Yeah. But now, now that they have, now that they're here, like this is a program that has had a lot of success over the last few years. And I think, and we'll 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 litigate this in a much lengthier conversation slash conversations over the <laughs> off season. But right. one of the biggest thing that's happening with San Diego State right now is they're being pursued by Power Five conferences to potentially join them in realignment. The Pac-12 has been noticed, you know, has been notably connected to them for for months, and now with them making this kind of run. Our, our friend at the host of Locked On Big 12 podcast, Josh Neighbors, he postured, like, should the Big 12 consider this? Like, is this, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Pac-12 doesn't have ownership of San Diego State. They haven't, they, it's not guaranteed that they're going to get them. It's just kind of the feeling that everybody has because the Pac-12 wants to replace the California market after losing UCLA and USC and San Diego yeah, State. Southern California. Sense. Oh, yeah. Good football school, great basketball program, which the Pac-12 just desperately needs at this point. But it'll be interesting to see if this has changed that conversation. If the Big 12 will get involved. Heck, maybe the Big 10 will get involved. Like, who knows what might happen here with San Diego State. And I don't, I don't know that a, a win here necessarily matters. I should rephrase. It definitely helps. <laughs> if they win, it's going to help even more. Uh, but even a loss here in the championship game would still put San Diego State in a really enviable position from a uh, from the, a realignment perspective. And I'm curious to see how that might shake out. Isaac, we got to get our picks out. We yeah. gotta get people. We gotta let people know who we think is gonna win and and what we might think that final score is gonna be. I'll, I'll have you start. Well, Andy, I think that the big question, in addition to who wins, is will we get more NRG Stadium magic, yeah. <laughs> where we've had literal Great buzzer point. beaters in two of our last three college basketball games? There, obviously, Chris Jenkins back in 2016, yep. and then Lamont Butler just uh, two days ago mm-hmm. on Saturday night. 
uh, the first ever Final Four buzzer beater with a player's team losing. Just mm-hmm. unreal stuff. And then obviously the UConn game was not a buzzer beating situation. Mm-hmm. And Andy, that brings me to my pick, which is going to be the UConn Huskies. I'll say this. I think this will be their smallest margin of victory of the tournament. However, I do believe that Danny Hurley's team completes a double-digit sweep all six games, won by double digits, but I'm going to give them an 11-point margin, let's say 80 to 69. Ooh, that's so... I didn't write mine down, um, so you you did not see this in the notes, but I have a projection in my head that is frighteningly close to that. Really? My projection is a nine-point win for UConn, and my final score was 81 to 72. Get out. That is, we're both going to be either very close or we're going to be just super off. We'll be checking each other like we're <laughs> idiots. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be that or San Jose State's going to hang like 96 on them, which would be incredible. Uh, probably unlikely, but incredible. Either way, we're both in that kind of nine to 10 point victory for, for UConn. I think that feels about right. Uh, I absolutely think San Diego State is capable of winning this game, but UConn has just looked so there. dang dominant throughout this tournament. It's hard to bet against them right now. I completely agree with you. And and Andy, I, I know we're at the end of our time, but <laughs> we are also at the end of the very yeah. first college basketball season. We did it. Locked on college basketball. This show started on November 7th, the first day of this college basketball season. And we've been with you the whole way. This is something that Andy and I both have been wanting to do for a long, 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 long time. <laughs> and so we owe a massive debt of gratitude to all the all the executives and higher ups at the Locked On Network for trusting us with this, um, Andy. I cannot think of anyone I would rather be doing this with on on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, it, like I legitimately look forward to this all the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, talking hoops with you, um, and uh, you know I'll let you reciprocate here in a second mm-hmm. if if you feel so inclined. You don't have to, but I know that we do. Most importantly both want to give a massive word of thanks to those of you who have tuned in and listened or watched and been with us from the very beginning of this thing. Uh, So excited for those of you that are, that are early adoptees to locked on college basketball. And Andy, I cannot wait for what I hope is many, 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 many more seasons of college hoops, just hanging out, doing this with you and with everyone who was dialed in with us. I agreed 100%. This has been so much fun, my friend, to get a chance. We've recorded every single day in March together, every single day. Uh, and I didn't, I, you know, I, I, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was hard, but we had so much fun. And I, I would do it all over again every single month if I could. It's, it's an absolute blast. And shout out to those of you who have been with the show long enough to understand the lawyer reference at the end of our episode. Shout out to those of you who are listening for the very first time. Some of you are, are brand new to the show. We appreciate every single one of you, whether this is your 80th episode, your first episode, somewhere in the middle, uh, whether you are a hate listener, whether you are a love listener, whatever it may be, we sincerely appreciate every single one of you. And we're so excited to get we're still we're still going in the off season this is not it we're not done this is not a eulogy my friend we are going to bring content every no single weekday for the foreseeable future we're going to talk transfer portal stuff boy howdy is there plenty to talk about with the transfer portal right now we got nba draft stuff of course conference realignment uh everything going on in the sport is, is going to be coming your way five days a week so keep plugged into us going forward yeah, I can't wait to find out what what is the next inside joke to join the show after the lawyer family. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get something fun yeah. this summer. 
Folks, we hope you enjoy the heck out of this national championship. It's the last college basketball game of the season. We saw the next to last one on Sunday with an impressive championship performance from Kim Mulkey and her LSU Tigers winning her fourth national championship. What a fun women's final four it was, Mm -hmm. Andy, and uh, cannot wait to see what happens going forward. Shout out also to our friends at Locked On Women's College Basketball. Please go sure you make uh, go make sure you check out their show. It's so great, so phenomenal, yep. phenomenal. They're dialed in and giving you great content. Check out our female sister counterparts <laughs> over there. Ah, y'all. Next time we chat, we will have the 2023 yep. national champion. We'll be recording immediately after the championship game tonight, and it'll be in your inbox or <laughs> inbox. This is not an email. It'll be in your <laughs> podcast feed on Tuesday morning. For now, this is Isaac Shade on behalf of Andy Patton. Please don't make, please don't forget to subscribe, smash mm-hmm. the like button, leave some comments, and we want to always say apologies to the lawyer family. And until tomorrow, peace. <laughs>